when you invite Jesus to live in your heart, you're not only experiencing the forgiveness of your sins, you're experiencing the very resurrection power that raised him from the dead, now living in you. This is Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. As a part of the Trinity, what power does the Holy Spirit have? What is the relationship between the Holy Spirit and Jesus? And what does the Bible say about Jesus' return to earth? These are just a few of the core doctrinal topics David looks into today in a message he calls, Who is Jesus? The most important question you can ever answer is this one. Who is Jesus? If you've not answered that question yet, you must answer it today. Who is Jesus? Is he a good philosopher who gives us insights into life? Is he a good moral teacher whose teachings just went wrong? Or is he more? Jesus asked his disciples this question one day. He said, who do people say that I am? Their response was, well, some say you're Elijah, come back. Some say you are John the Baptist, come back. Then Jesus asked this question to them. But who do you say that I am? And it was Peter there who finally said, you are the son of God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, but the spirit of the living God. If you've come to understand Jesus as the Son of God, God in human flesh, you didn't come to that conclusion through your mind, though that may help you. The Spirit of the living God gave you that insight. Now, Jesus made some extraordinary claims, especially in the Gospel of John. Now, if you don't know how the New Testament's organized, here's what happened. Mark's Gospel was first, then probably followed by Matthew's Gospel, then probably Luke's gospel, and then John's was the last one. And it's almost as if John, if, you know, wrote sometime in the 90s, I, I think it was earlier than that because of a lot of new scholarship that's opening up, but it's like John looked at Matthew, Mark, and Luke and saw all the wonderful teachings about Jesus, and he said, but one thing's missing. And if you read John, you'll see it. My dad, by the way, says to any of you who are new believers, read the gospel of John, one chapter, every day for 21 days, you'll walk away different. You'll never be the same. It was my dad's favorite gospel. It was Dr. Billy Graham's favorite gospel because it has insights into who Jesus is that Matthew, Mark, and Luke don't have. And again, it's like John just said, I've got to make sure these statements are in. Like in John 6, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He is your spiritual sustenance, folks. When you go through tough times, he will be what allows you to get through those difficult times. Anybody know what I'm talking about? He is the bread of life. Praise Jesus for that one, would you? In John 6, he clearly says so. And, and all of these I am statements are rooted in Exodus 3 when Moses was called by God to free the Israelites from the Egyptian captivity. He experienced a burning bush. And some of you go, how does God talk through a burning bush? Look, folks, if you have trouble with the biblical miracles, would you just go back to Genesis 1.1? In the beginning, who? God created the heavens and the earth. If God can create this world, he is quite capable, isn't he, of doing anything he wants to in this world, especially suspending natural laws to do his supernatural work, right? 
So a burning bush is nothing for God. You think that's too hard for him? Of course not. So he spoke to Moses through that burning bush, and Moses asked the question, well, who should I say is sending me? Who's sending me? And God responded, tell them, I am who I am is sending you. Yahweh in the Hebrew. I am. Whenever that phrase, I am, comes about for a Jew, it's in reference to God. And it is such a holy reference, they wouldn't even utter it. They would just write it out whenever they got to it. So Yahweh, I am, is a reference to God. So when Jesus uses the I am phrase, he's seizing upon Exodus 3. And the people knew clearly what he was saying. I am Yahweh, the bread of life. John 8, I am Yahweh, the light of the world. When your life feels dark and you don't know your next step, anybody been there? within the last 24 hours, when you don't know that next step to take, God says, I am your light. I'm a lamp to your feet. And notice oftentimes he doesn't reveal anything except the next step. Why does he do that? He wants to teach us all folks to walk by faith and not by sight. Those who develop the deepest faith, who learn to walk by faith and not by sight, have the deepest relationship with Christ. I am the light of the world. Then in John 10, he makes two statements. First of all, he says, I am the great shepherd, and that means he's going to take care of you. In that day, shepherd knew the names of every one of his sheep, every one. He knows your name. He knows what you're going through right now. He knows intimately all that you are experiencing and is your shepherd who cares for you and loves you deeply. I am Yahweh, the great shepherd. He also says, I am the door to the sheepfold. And the only way the sheep could get into the sheepfold at night after a day pasturing was through that door. And Jesus said, I am that door. The only way to eternal life is through that door. I am that door. Yahweh, that door. Then John 11, we, we heard this one last week, and it's so powerful, isn't it? Verse 25, after Lazarus was raised from the dead, I am Yahweh, the resurrection and the, the life, and whoever believes in me will never die, never die. Like we talked about last week, when that time of death comes for believers in Jesus, we just close our eyes, go to sleep, and then we get shaken awake, and the first face we see is the face of Jesus himself. Can you imagine so death shouldn't be feared. It's like going to sleep and awakening and the first person you see is Jesus. Then your loved ones, then your family members, then friends. What a reunion. Jesus said, I am Yahweh, the resurrection and the life. And then we move to John 14, 6, where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. It's objectioned by many people. Oh, that seems so exclusive. Jesus is the only way. Well, here's the reason he can say that. Yahweh, I am the way, not a way, the way, the truth, the life, is because of this wonderful word that we have in the Christian faith called grace. It's the defining word of the Christian faith. You have two ways of getting to heaven, folks, either by your works or by his work, by what you do or what's been done for you. There's no other way. The Bible calls it either works, righteousness, or God's gift of righteousness by grace through faith through Jesus. So it's either works or grace by the way you get to heaven. Jesus said, I am that way because he's the one who died on the cross and gives us the forgiveness of our sins by his grace 
And we receive it through faith, not of our works, because folks, if we could work our way to heaven, we would boast about it forever, and God would never hear the end of our prideful boasting, right? So that's why we believe Jesus is the way. It's not because we're arrogant. It's because grace makes sense. Aren't you glad you have grace? Aren't you glad? The, the other alternative is karma. Karma means you get what you deserve. All of us who know we're deep sinners, do you want to get what you deserve? I don't want to get what I deserve. I know I deserve hell for the ways I've rebelled against God in my life. That's why I need grace, the forgiveness of my sins, and new, fresh beginnings. Anybody know what I'm talking about there? Would you give God praise for that? John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. In John 15, 5, I am the vine, and you are the branches. And, and when you're connected to me and you abide in me, I'll flow my life through you and you'll be fa- able to face any and every problem because my resurrection power from me flows through you and you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. I am Yahweh the vine. So when you look at all of those statements, and one more I really should cover is in John 8. Jesus is debating with the Jews and the leaders, and they talk about their father, Abraham, that all of them descended from Abraham. And here's what Jesus said. He said, you know, before Abraham was, I am. Before Abraham was, I am. You hear what he's saying? Before you ever lived, I existed in eternality. Before Abraham, your father ever existed, I existed in eternality. I created Abraham. I created you. I'm God. They clearly knew what he was saying. Why? Because they picked up stones to kill him. Who do you say that he is? Jesus claimed to be God. Now, as you hear that claim, you've got four options, as best I can understand it, in my limited human knowledge. First of all, when Jesus said, I'm God, I created you, I existed in eternity, you can first of all say he's a liar. But the problem there is, his teachings have given truth for the last 2,000 years and basically developed entire Western thought. And all of that's based on a lie? Does that make sense? And the answer is, no. Maybe he's a lunatic. He's a crazy man. Thought he was God, but he really wasn't God. Here's the fact, uh, fact, though. Why has his teachings given so much sanity over the years based on the teachings of a crazy man. Does that make sense? No. The third option, he was a legend. What does that mean? Liar, lunatic, legend. It means that the early church made up the resurrection because the resurrection is the linchpin of the Christian faith. If it's not true, we're people most to be pitied, right? So it's the linchpin of the Christian faith. The early church didn't want to let Jesus' love idea die, so they made up the idea of the resurrection. Here's the problem with that. You have multiple, hundreds of eyewitnesses, not just to speak of Matthew, Mark, and John, but multiple eyewitnesses. Paul said over 500 who saw Jesus alive, all of those were willing to go to their deaths as martyrs, whipped, scourged, beaten, tortured for what they knew was a lie. Folks, people don't die for what they know is a lie. They might die for what they think is truth, but it's really a lie. But when they know it's not a lie, they won't die for that. I I only speak for myself. If if I'd lived during that time period and I'd made up the story of Jesus' resurrection, the first lash on my back, the first threat of being dropped into boiling oil, I would have said, just kidding, right? 
made it up because we are self-protective. In our sinfulness, we're self-protective. So who is Jesus? What do you do with this man named Jesus? In case you don't know, here's the gospel. That there's one God in three persons, we Christians believe. A mystery, yes, but nevertheless taught in Scripture. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he created the angels to be in fellowship with him because he loves so deeply. Then he created us on this side of eternity. And he created us, according to Psalm 8, a little less than the angels. Can any of you walk through walls? Uh, Can any of you become invisible? I mean, the angels have more power than us in original intent. And so God put us on this planet. And during that time period, one of the angels... Lucifer led a rebellion. Lucifer means the angel of light, and he became Satan, the adversary. Why did he rebel against God? Because of pride. Folks, most problems in life are caused by selfish ambition, right? Somebody wants something that you have, and they go after it, right? Well, the evil one wanted Jesus' position, so he led a rebellion. One-third of the angels went with him, and they became the demons. He hates God. He hates what God has created. So he looked at this world that God had created, and God had taken Adam and Eve and given them dominion over everything. Inside dwelt the supernatural power of God. They had dominion over everything. When the enemy tempted them, Adam took the keys to the kingdom. For God's desire was to bring the kingdom of heaven to this earth. That that was his original desire, that heaven would come to earth. Sounds like Jesus' prayer, doesn't it? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Bring the kingdom to earth. That that was the design. That was the desire. But Adam handed the keys of authority to Satan. Now he rules this world. In Genesis 3.15, after that happened, there was a prophecy that said, one day a man will come and crush the head of the enemy. But it has to be a man to do that. Why? Because originally the first Adam had given, given that authority. So there has to be a second Adam, a second man that has, takes away those keys from the enemy. So God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit looked at the condition of this world, all of its brokenness, its cursedness, and the Father said to the Son, would you go? And that, that was the text that Marilyn read earlier, that the second person of the Godhead gladly said, yes, I'll go. He willingly submitted. Submission, folks, is a choice, and the Son chose to be birthed in a stable with smelly donkeys and straw surrounding him. And and the more I look out at you guys, I think when God would want worship on this side of eternity, I wonder if he wouldn't prefer a gym than all the fancy stuff we've put around him in worship. Do you think? In humility, he came to us. Now, it was the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, who conceived Jesus in the womb of Mary, a virgin, a righteous woman. And interestingly, in the Bible, Jesus is called Son of Man and Son of God. Son of Man fulfilling a prophecy in Daniel 7 about the coming of the Messiah. Son of God just always a term that would be used for Messiah. So those two terms were used. Well, what happened when the Holy Spirit conceived Jesus? He's totally God. He's Son of God. Remember we sang that earlier. It's about Jesus being Son of God. But he's also son of man because the Holy Spirit took Mary's ovum and impregnated her by the power of the Holy Spirit. Somehow, miraculously, the Holy Spirit bypassed her sinful DNA and conceived 
Jesus in her womb, the name Jesus means Savior because our greatest need is to be forgiven of our sins, right? We don't want to go to hell, do we? Our greatest need is not to go to hell. Our greatest need is the forgiveness of our sins, our alienation from God. So the Holy Spirit creates the perfect God-man in Mary's womb. And why does he have to be a man? Because a man has to live perfectly under the righteous requirements of the law in order to die for us so our sins can be forgiven. So Jesus has birthed the perfect God-man. And for 33 years, he perfectly obeys every aspect of the righteous requirements of the law. He is the second Adam. He meets the requirements where Adam failed. Adam gave the keys to the kingdom to the evil one. Jesus comes to take those keys back and give them to you and me. That's why he came, folks. He came to defeat the wiles of the enemy. That's why he came. Satan has destroyed so many of you. He's stolen from you. Jesus came to restore to you what's been stolen from you by the enemy. And when he died on that cross, your sins are forgiven. Done. His last words, it is finished. What's finished? The work of salvation is finished. Done. Not do. Done. And then he's raised from the dead. What? According to Romans 1, the resurrection proves he's the son of God. And then, dear friends, here's the key. When you invite Jesus to live in your heart, you're not only experiencing the forgiveness of your sins, you're experiencing the very resurrection power that raised him from the dead, now living in you. You're listening to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Coming up, David joins me in the studio in an insightful conversation about this morning's Davidism. We'll be right back. This is the Ministry Minute, focusing on ministries that have a positive impact on our community. I'm Mark McManus, and here is Jim Noble with the Dream Center Charlotte. Hello, my name is Jim Noble with the Charlotte Mecklenburg Dream Center. And Bo and I, the director of the Dream Center, wanted to take a minute and tell you guys thank you. Moments of hope, David and Marilyn Chadwick, all of you there, Dean, we all been phenomenal for us. Uh, you, you've been there since 08 when we started King's Kitchen and that kind of grew into the Dream Center and the meals we've fed the last eight weeks probably exceeding 55,000 now, I guess. Uh, we're so grateful you guys have made such an impact in the city by reaching out to those that have needs greater than we have. And uh, what do you think, Bo? Yeah, so it's been amazing to, to just watch the, the work that's happened um, with the meals as they've gone out. You know, uh, we, I always tell people it's not about the food, it's about the relationships that are formed and the ministry that takes place. And so, um, and JT Williams and Tom Westboro and Reed Park, I mean, it has opened up doors that we never thought would be open. Um, you know, we've seen people come out um, and just welcomed us with open arms, just so grateful for the meals and, and we just thank you moments of hope and just this couldn't be this wouldn't be possible without you guys and you know uh the, the first call we made uh when we decided to go this route and provide these meals was the moments of hope and it was uh, a phone call that was met with a resounding yes and so we're so appreciative of you guys and just um everything you all do for us and for the kingdom and not only that but you uh, also set into our kitchen in the dream center now 
This week started producing meals there and as the restaurants open back up, all the meals will shift to the Dream Center with the kitchen you helped us do. So we're so grateful you guys. God bless you. God bless Moments of Hope and we just pray an unlimited return and harvest on the seed you sowed into this ministry. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Moments of Hope. I'm Jen Houston, and with me is our pastor, David Chadwick. David, thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Jen. It's nice talking to you, being with you. Thank you for letting me be a part of your life in this program. Oh, my goodness. It's the honor's mine. Thank you so much. In this morning's e-devotion, you challenged each of us to find fresh ways to find our mission field. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Jen, the statement that I gave this morning in my daily written Moments of Hope that people can get to by going to momentsofhopechurch.org, subscribing there, and it's free of charge in your inbox every morning at 7 a.m. to give your heart a lift, a moment of hope. The one this morning was your mission field is between your feet. And I have people come to me regularly. Oh, David, I want to serve God. I just don't know where he's calling me. Is he calling me to Africa, to a village there that might need to hear the gospel? Is he calling me to Haiti amidst all of the deprivation and poverty that is there? Is God calling me maybe to give up everything and move into the inner city? And, you know, I don't know where God may be calling individuals. I do know that in Acts 1.8, Jesus said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and the uttermost ends of the earth, each one of those a concentric circle outward where we are to be Jesus' witnesses. But the point being, I think it's wherever we are, we are to be his witnesses. We are to be ready to proclaim his truth. Uh, the, the question of whether we are a witness or not is not even debatable. We are witnesses. The question is if we're good or bad witnesses. Mm. And Jesus wants us to be good witnesses with this caveat, wherever you may be. So my answer to people who ask me, where's my mission field? What do you think God's calling me to do? My answer is always the same. Your mission field is between your feet. Mm -hmm. Your mission field is wherever you are. Mm -hmm. If you are in your workplace, you're a missionary. If you are in your recreation space, you're a missionary. If you are out with your friends going to a movie, you're in a mission field. Mm -hmm. You know, wherever you may be, that's where God has you. So that's your mission field. And if God wanted you to be in another mission field, in another job or whatever, you'd be there. Yeah, that's good. So wherever you are is your mission field. Your mission field is between your feet. Just be a witness wherever you are. I love this. And this reminds me of a very recent situation I was in. I was on the phone this week with a girlfriend and she was at Panera and kind of having a quiet time with the Lord. And we were on the phone together catching up. And she just abruptly said, oh, oh, Jen, I need to call you back. There's a, the worker at Panera is leaving and I feel like the Lord has a word for her. Ah. <laughs> she hung up on me and took her feet, you know, and walked towards this woman and encouraged this woman. And, and this woman was a believer. So she readily accepted this word of encouragement from my friend. And that is a great example of this, just moment by moment, right between your feet. Just asking God, use me today where I am. The point though being, and it's a good one you just made, raise your spiritual antenna really high. And wherever you may be, listen to the voice of the Lord. John 10, 27, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. And if he prompts you to pray for somebody or to give an encouraging word or kind of a prophetic word about something the Lord has said to you to somebody else, just 
do it. Yeah. Be faithful in that moment because your mission field is between your feet. Just make sure you're hearing the voice of the Lord. So good. Thank you so much for this insight today. You're welcome. And listeners, if you would like to receive this daily Moment of Hope, again, please go to momentsofhopechurch.org. You can subscribe there. From my heart to yours daily, a moment of hope. This has been Moments of Hope with David Chadwick, Senior Pastor of Moments of Hope Church. We would love to have you join us for worship this Sunday morning. We meet at Providence Day School, located at 5800 Sardis Road in South Charlotte at 10 a.m. You can find more information on our website, momentsofhopechurch.org. And while you're online, be sure to sign up for David's daily Moments of Hope, delivered every morning to your inbox. And also check out David's Hopecast. They're both free and available at momentsofhopechurch.org. For David and the entire Moments of Hope Church staff, this is Jen Houston asking you to pray for the strengthening of the body of Christ in our community.